0: There is a saying that goes that the UK and USA are two countries separated by a common language. (laughs) I don't know how true this is, but today's guest will be part of our transatlantic series where we talk to entrepreneurs and business owners in the USA and continue the special relationship that our politicians talk so much about. Today's guest is Dawn Fleming, author of Claim Your Dream Life. How to Retire in Paradise on a Shoestring Budget. Dawn is that rare person who has enjoyed being an entrepreneur and still does, but her superpower is showing everyone else, and that includes us entrepreneurs, how to step away from our business lives and use the money we have to enjoy the life we want. If you want to know more about Dawn and how she can help you enjoy the rewards from your business, then join us after the introduction. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Koch and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast but with so much more. Every week we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time as well as asking them to pick a book, a film, and a favourite single or album, and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at The Cash Flow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business.
1: The Cash Flow Show, coming to you from the city of London, real people, real business, real talk.
0: Hello Dawn and welcome to The Cash Flow Show.
1: Thank you for having me Clayton, I'm excited to be here.
0: Now, can you tell me where you're speaking from today? Because the introduction tells people that you are from the USA, but I didn't give any details as to exactly where.
1: Well, as a matter of fact, I'm not in the U.S. <gasps> I am on a Caribbean island off the coast of Cancun, Mexico, called Isla de las Mujeres, which translated is the island of women where I've lived for the past five years.
0: Wow. Okay. So now this is this is an exclusive to me. So you have basically lived the dream. You've practiced what you've preached and you've set yourself up in your dream life. Yes, that's correct. I mentioned briefly about your book, Claim Your Dream Life, How to Retire in Paradise on a Shoestring Budget. Now tell people who are unfamiliar with this concept. This concept is is something that UK listeners especially are familiar with in terms of a lot of people in the uk when they decided that they wanted to retire usually went to places like spain or portugal malta to basically do the things that they wanted to do sometimes it was better in terms of cost of living places like greece etc etc but you've been doing this you mentioned five years you know how did you get started
1: well, Clayton, I believe in a world where on your deathbed, you never look back and think, what if?
0: Good point. Good so, point.
1: <laughs> so, and um, and that's kind of what, what has happened with this business that sort of found me. People started asking, and so I helped them take their pie-in-the-sky dreams and turn them into a pinch-me. Is this real reality? <laughs> and create a, a life that you don't need a vacation from so uh, it's, it's really been an amazing journey uh, I, I, I don't know if you saw it but uh, my husband and I got devastated in the 2008 financial crash um, he lost his business he's an electrical engineer by training overnight his business was gone my business uh, also disappeared dried up and then we have three houses in foreclosure and I couldn't negotiate with the banks so I'm an attorney by training, so one one time, one bank transferred me 10 times and then hung up on me because as soon as they found out I was a lawyer, no one wanted to talk to me. So after um, a couple of years of frustration, we have a, a 50-foot sailboat. We said, you know what? We're out of here. And I just said, we said, come what may. Uh, we can't live our life according to real estate anymore. And we cast off the dock lines. We sailed over 5,000 miles down the coast of Mexico, through the Panama Canal. We stopped at this lovely little island on our way to Florida, and we changed coast. We thought we'd uh, try Florida. We were in the panhandle for a couple years, and then South Florida, and we weren't feeling it. So this little island I've been coming to since 1992, it's changed a lot, but it's always felt like home. So we thought, what the heck? Well, our house moves. We'll sail down there. We will hang out. If we don't like it, we'll go somewhere
0: else. Do you feel that as a person who had both you and your husband had a very very good lifestyle which is literally devastated by this 2008 Mm -hmm. crash that gave you the impetus to really look at your life in a way that you'd never looked at it before
1: absolutely and that's actually the story of of my existence (laughs) is I've been marching down one path and something comes out and blindsides me and it says, no, this is not your path. You're going to take a different path. <laughs> and it's happened over and over again. It's really bizarre. Um, so what I say is I have become an expert at making lemonade. Life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. So I am an expert lemonade maker. And uh, I, I think that's... Uh, inspirational people find that inspiring because it happens to you know happened to my husband before I met him you know he lost his business melanoma survivor um you know two 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 divorces single dad raising raising his kids I mean at 50 years old when I met him uh he says I was a walking cadaver I had no dreams life had beat me up badly Mm -hmm. and um so it happens to us and I think that's one of the reasons I have so much passion for this work, and and so does he. We've been there. We've been beaten down, and, you know, it's not easy to get back up. It's not easy to let go of the past, you know, what what may have been, you know, safe and secure at one time, but is no longer, and you have to move forward.
0: Indeed. It's hard. The thing that I find interesting is is that you've gone one step on from living the dream, if you like. You've basically decided to make that into a book. We live in a world where a lot of people, if you switch on social media or look into newspapers and listen to the radio, there's lots of people with get-rich-quick schemes. And <laughs> yes. Of course, yes. I noticed there's not many get happy quick schemes, but there's a lot of get rich quick schemes. <laughs> and what I notice is that in terms of how you've done things, you've been through a lot. You say that your husband's been through a lot with you and before you. But the fact is you've mm-hmm. both come to the same conclusion how important it is to have a life to look forward to. And as would you agree that most people are just barely existing? Absolutely. And do you think that the reason why they're barely existing is that they're focusing on things that they don't have as opposed to what they do have?
1: Yes. That's a big part of it, Clayton. You've, You've hit the nail on the head there.
0: Now, when you sat down to write your book, obviously you've got the inspiration of what you've experienced, but how did it come about? Because somebody just said to you, Dawn, You've got all this information. You've got to write this book. Is that how it came about?
1: Well, sort of. It's actually my husband's fault. You see, we've been we were hanging out on this little Caribbean island and minding our own business. And uh, <laughs> when we moved down here, we had this other business. I've been in, I spent twenty years in network marketing. Uh, We were top earner and uh, trainers in that industry. And so we had the luxury of being able to live anywhere we wanted to. And uh, so we we bought this vacation villa really as a uh, income diversifier because all of our eggs were in that one basket. And so we thought, you know, I don't like that. I'm like, I've seen this happen too many times. Like, you know, I'm, a, I'm a actually a, a, a deadhead from way back. And there's a song called uh, Uncle John's Band. And there's a phrase in there that says, when life looks like easy street, there is danger at your door. Ooh. And uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's. Yeah, so I was kind of in the back of my mind. I said, you know, we're living living large here, but I'm, I, I, we need to diversify. And so we looked at uh, property all the way from Sarasota, Bradenton, down to Naples, Florida. Everything was a million bucks. You throw in eight grand a year in taxes, waterfront property, hurricane insurance, and you're at a, you know, thousand bucks U.S. before you've even talked about a mortgage. And I thought, why do we want to do that? We want to go sailing half a year. So I said, I'm not doing that. We, we got burned once, and I said, if I'm going to buy something, I'm going to buy something that puts money in my pocket. And you had asked me in the questionnaire what my, my favorite book is. By, uh, uh, hands down, it's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, absolutely changed my life. It's why I left the legal, the legal profession when right. I realized. The cash flow quadrant like i was so mad i remember i was like you know 35 years old sitting at a network marketing conference and he was a keynote speaker speaker and i was mad i was like why didn't anyone ever tell me about this how in the heck did i end up on this side of the quadrant i want to be on the other side so that was a profound moment that really changed my uh perspective completely but what happened when i talked about tom it being tom's fault so he's never met a stranger and so we would we live near a walking distance to one of the ten best beaches in the world, uh, Playa Norte. It's lovely, and so you know, just strike up a conversation with anyone. You know, you're in the water, you're having a beer. I'm just relaxing. Like uh, you know, I talk to people all day long. Uh, you know, uh, but he will strike up a conversation. Where are you from? Oh yes, right. And so what do they do? They go well. Where are you from? And we he goes well. We live here. And they go what? You live here? How did that happen? And pretty soon they're asking all of these questions. And this was happening over and over and over and over. And, of course, I knew I wanted to. Oh, and then uh, fast forward a year. We lost our network marketing business. Our multiple six-figure income business went away overnight. Thank goodness every dime we made for two years in this property we put back into it. And it was uh, to the point where it supported us. But again, it was one of those things out of left field, like, like I said, when life looks like uh, easy street, you know, you better get ready. (laughs) So we did, or we'd have been in real trouble. Mm. I mean, Tom was collecting social security, but still that was not going to be enough to support us. So I said, okay, well, I always knew I was going to do my own thing anyways. Um, Network marketing was really my training ground, speaking, coaching, teaching, training, that sort of thing. So I said, I always, and so I set on the journey, what am I going to do? And I ended up um, meeting so many uh, foreigners here, uh, Canadians, U.S., uh, you know, Europeans, who were also living the dream. Well, not everybody jumps on a sailboat and sails 5,000 miles to uh, move overseas. So I was curious. I said, OK, I want to hear their story. So I started the Overseas Life Redesign podcast, really. uh to learn more about the process and what do people do and what would they have done differently and all of that. And then, um, that was in September, 2019. And I was looking for a business model that was going to be able to allow me to serve because I didn't want to go back to a trading time for money Mm -hmm. business model. Mm -hmm. Uh, i had done that as an attorney and that had no appeal to me. So I was trying to figure it out and I had one business coach who wanted me to start this high end coaching program. And I'm like, well, that's okay for the people who pay me, what about the people who don't? I have a servant's heart. And so I found a a gal who was teaching free workshops. And then, you know, people would self-select and some people would choose to go on, but I would serve the people who came into the free program. Well, I gave away the store, of course, for, uh, I did, it started in July of 2020, every other month for uh, seven workshops I did. I refined it and tweaked it and um, tried to streamline it and not fire hose people with too much information. And so it um, got to the point, it was, it was cranking pretty good. And then a friend of mine was telling me about this write a book in a weekend workshop. And I thought, well, that sounds really interesting. I don't know how you write a book in a weekend, but <laughs> what the heck? I've, I've, always, I've always wanted to write a book. Why not? Let's give it a whirl. And I just thought, honestly, Clayton, I have so many great stories for my podcast. I thought, well, I'll just put together an anthology, you know, of these stories. And, okay. and I'll share that and it'll be inspirational and that'll be good. Well, no, I go to this workshop and they say, oh, no, here you have homework and here's your homework and you have to teach something. And it was a very rigid structure about, you know, how many chapters it was and how many, you know, three sub points per chapter and all this. And I said, wow, this is a lot. I had no idea. I go, this is my podcast idea. It isn't going to work, but I thought the light bulb went on, and I said, "Oh my gosh, this is my workshop." So that's how the book came to be. The book is the workshop. Nice. That I, that I taught, and then there's, there's like there's a a whole chapter on real estate, I had created a real estate program because I had uh, real estate licenses in two states and in the states before I went to law school, and so I had a strong background in real estate, and then I was an international business attorney, so I studied NAFTA, and I knew a lot about that, and having going through the process of buying my uh, property, it was opaque as could be, and I thought, you know, nobody, they The lawyers spoke English, but they just didn't explain to you what the process was and how long everything took and all that. So I just uh, put that together and I I created a real estate program because I got tired of people asking me, oh, you mean you can buy property in Mexico and how does that work? And And I'm like, here, go buy this program. It's less than one hour of attorney time. It'll tell you everything you need to know and all the stuff you better watch out for. So I put some of that into the book. So I had some other things that I had worked on. Uh, and that I put it in there, but I'm very proud of it. I, I found a, I got a publisher, a wonderful line business folks in the industry, and I own the intellectual property of my book, which is huge. Many publishers won't allow you to do that. I was able to record the audio book myself. I own complete rights to that. Um, don't pay any royalties except to you know the platform. But uh, it's been an amazing experience, and I just feel so blessed. To now be able to really take this information to the masses, because there's definitely a lot of interest in this. Um, and, and here I am talking to you in the UK, and and really, US and Canada were really my my target markets. But but I've gotten a lot of interest outside of that.
0: Of course, because the reality is for most people, as a I've got a friend, and her name is Donna. And I've known her for 20 years now. Donna's a great friend. I've got a lot of time and a lot of respect. She's a lawyer as well, very intelligent woman. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to her 20 years ago, Donna, you really should save your money and stop buying those designer clothes because (laughs) there will come a time when you are going to need that money. And she's done incredibly well for herself and she's quite comfortable. But she's also realized now that it's not a big step to go to the retirement stage of your life and if you're not careful unless you can use that money wisely and you're sensible and take up the options that you offer in your book that you can end up not living the lifestyle that you want to live because effectively you're spending your time trading time for money
1: exactly that's exactly why i quit practicing law because i my future that i saw was dying at my desk as an attorney because they can't afford to stop because they have this they've built this machine this overhead and this lifestyle that needs to be fed
0: correct correct and i
1: i didn't want to do that
0: well i didn't I, want to do that i empathize with that because that was my original career my original career was in law as well and some of it uh, comes into the work that i do now but not much of it but is that i've seen how you can end up in that kind of situation where you are chasing, constantly chasing the dollar, chasing the pound, chasing mm-hmm. the euro, whatever it is, and mm-hmm. you're just a billing machine. And yeah. when you get to the end of it, you've got no relationships, you've got no friends because you never made any time for them. And the fact is, right. you know, your, your life is just a short step away from collapsing because your world is built around the job that you do. mm mm-hmm. It's it, right. It's, it's That's amazing. Right. Because what I also noticed as well is that I read an opinion piece that you wrote called Dreaming of Retiring Abroad. Watch out for these three giant pitfalls. And yeah, I, I read that and I thought I, I'm not a great traveller. I they, they, I must confess this: the people who have listened to the Cashflow Show um, in episodes past, and people who are involved in the Cashflow Crew, they know full well that I'm a terrible. My toilet bag um, uh, is, is nearly as big as my suitcase, so I, uh, the <laughs> i, <laughs> the idea of travelling light gives me anxiety. So the idea of moving and going somewhere gives me is I'm kind of like whoa. I'm not so sure about that, but. I can see from your book and what's said in the book, why you can have that better quality life being elsewhere. But you give the three reasons here. And I don't know if you remember the three reasons because I've got them written down here. And it would be great to to run through them because the first reason you give is you move for the wrong reason. And it'd be Mm -hmm. interesting to see how, how that manifests itself.
1: Uh, it's funny, that this article, I actually uh, did some research on that, because I was asked to write uh, that article, um, actually by the um, the publication. They said, you know, everybody always writes these wonderful uh, articles about how great it is to live overseas and all of that. And, and we kind of want to, as a matter of fact, that kind of leads into the first uh, first one, which is, oh, you know, oh, I read this, uh, article, um, in International Living Magazine. I don't mean to pick on them, but there happened, that happens to be how we started our interest in moving overseas. Living internationally was because we had subscribed to that magazine. And a lot of people, that's, that's kind of where they start. So it's been around a long, long time. Uh, but they're always, it's always, you know, roses and unicorns and rainbows and such. <laughs> <laughs> Right. They don't, they don't really get into like, uh, these are, these are the bad things. Um, maybe a couple couple times people will, uh, say, Oh, well, you know, this didn't work out or what have you, but you know, for the most part, it's, sort of paints an unrealistic uh, picture. And so I, I thought that was, was really good that they wanted to focus on that. So if someone eats this magazine, for example, and they start uh, reading about how wonderful it is and they think, oh, my life sucks and all I need to do is just move overseas, look at how wonderful these people's lives are and everything will be just, you know, like I said, sunshine and unicorns and rainbows. And it just doesn't work out that way, right? <laughs> you keep... <laughs> And I put in the, in the, in the book and the article, wherever you go, there you are. So if you're not happy where you're at, there's a good chance you're not going to be happy where you're going.
0: Very true. Very true. And that those are wise words. Because one of the things that you also said was number two was you had unrealistic expectations.
1: Feeds right into it, doesn't it? Yes,
0: yeah. it does. Because I think this is what happens when people, you know, it's actually two and three. Because number three is you didn't mm-hmm. integrate into a community. And this is what I yeah. find fascinating. A lot of people from the UK go abroad and they'll go mm-hmm. to Spain or Portugal and are looking for the nearest bar and fish and chips. And um, sure. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> been to been to the UK, but um, I think in, in Spain, for example, that behavior has created almost an industry around it where people who purely serve to satisfy the needs of the British public when they go abroad because they want to live in exactly the same lifestyle that they left the UK right. for.
1: Right right absolutely well then you know Gibraltar's not that far they could just move, move mosey on over there but uh, <laughs> anyway yeah uh I- I know what you're saying, and and I did. I actually went to. Uh, I did a summer program in Cambridge, England uh, cool. during law school. That was fabulous. I got to learn international human rights from Peter Duffy, of all people.
0: Okay, amazing. Excellent.
1: Um, yeah, and then I was actually there. I actually uh, went to the very first American football game in Wembley Stadium in 1983, my Minnesota Vikings and the St. Louis Cardinals with my first husband. We did our uh, backpack around Europe uh, honeymoon. Uh, euro passes and the whole bit so wow. i love okay. the uk in fact the vikings are coming back in october so i'm really like thinking i gotta get back to uh, the uk my my uh husband tom is actually uh, of british descent he's first generation born in the US. uh actually and he's never really except through except for wembley excuse me except for um heathrow he's never been there so i'm thinking i think that i need to come see you clayton i'll uh, come do. for a visit it,
0: it, it would be great because <laughs> i i think The fact that you have that link with the UK is always fantastic because it's always it's always good to have that relationship and doing these podcasts it's always been interesting for me to basically be in a position to talk to people say oh I've been to the UK or oh, I've had that link and it it really does show that the, the the distance in maybe very much physically across that pond or across the water but it's uh, you know there's a lot of people that we've been there you know that we've been to the um to the US and you've been to the UK and just never at the same time so so this could be a good opportunity to change that.
1: You know, the world is so small anymore. It really, really is. Yes.
0: And so many on so many levels. Most definitely, most definitely. Because some of the destinations that I saw on your website that were mentioned where people had spoken quite favorably of were Panama, Colombia, mm-hmm. Bali, Costa Rica. You know, these these are pretty much nice places and they they are obviously nice places for for people to visit what do you think is the impact on people living the lifestyle the what I what you refer to as location agnostic which sounds a bit painful but I'm sure it isn't um you know what what what's what's the impact on the people that are actually there the people who are sort of who are they for want of a better expression the indigenous people the people that have always lived there what's the impact on them because obviously people are now starting to move around to places that they've never been before is there sometimes places where there's sometimes a bit of negativity or is it does it work out depend on how you treat people
1: great question um i think it's It's a little, it's a very interesting time, and it it really varies, Um, I know one of the things we didn't care for, when we were sailing, we uh, spent some time in Costa Rica, and, you know, I had actually, uh, my last interview with a gal, she had, uh, she owns property on the island here as well, she had actually been down to Costa Rica, and, because she'd heard so many great things about it, she was like, oh, I better go check that out before I make my decision, And um, her feedback was sort of the same as mine. And one of the things that bothered us about it was in that particular country, it seemed, uh, you know, and you you hate to make generalizations, but for the most part, the expats were living in their own little enclaves. They were not mixed in with the local population. And I think that's a recipe for disaster. And and she said, and, and one of the reasons we came here as well, is it's not like that here in our community. Everybody really gets along quite well the uh the people here and, and she mentioned that she said the people just didn't the water wasn't as blue and pretty the people weren't as friendly and then yeah there was a separation that she felt um between the expat communities and the locals and you don't have that here um the the mayans which is largely what uh the the locals are here, Mayan descent, mm. are very warm and welcoming people. And so uh, I can't tell you uh, uh, how many times I've heard the energy here is just amazing. I mean, part of it, I think, is energetic there. I do believe there is a vortex here in this part of the world. If you look at the, the vortex mass, there is such a thing. Um, but also it is uh, for sure, the culture the people they are are very warm and welcoming and helpful people. Now, are there there are a few bad apples, of course, you know, and who knows they probably aren't even from this area. Uh, you know, so you it's not um, not all wonderful, but I think it's it's going to be really interesting going forward. So my undergraduate degree uh, at the University of Minnesota was in anthropology.
0: Oh,
1: and interesting. so I've always been, been fascinated with the study of peoples and cultures and why people do things a certain way and this one does them a different way and how do they, they deal with things. And so I think uh, from an a, a anthropological cultural standpoint, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out because uh, up until Ukraine, we've seen really this very anti-immigrant uh, sentiment, right, all over the globe, yes. not you know the United States, Europe, and just like this, this keeping out the others, of course, um, no matter who it is. And then now with Ukraine, of course, everybody's welcoming them with open arms, uh, rightfully so. I mean, they're they're you know trying, Putin's trying to exterminate them, basically, as far as I can tell. Yeah. And so you do have this shift, and it's. It's going to be interesting to see how that uh, ultimately plays out. I think the United States is suffering horribly because of their anti-immigrant status. I lived in Southern California. I mean, you know, the crops would rot in the field without the Mexican migrant workers coming to, to do those jobs. And so you've seen they just released un, uh, unemployment figures um, today, I believe. And it was, it's incredible. It's the lowest it's been in 50 years. Bottom line, they do not have enough workers. And if you look at the demographics of the population aging, this is going to be a real problem. We need, you know, America was built on, on immigrants,
0: of right? This, and uh... so I
1: think it's a, it's a huge mistake. That that's being made.
0: It has, and, and probably
1: think, not just in the United States. I oh, think other countries, you know, Germany, I think, is very similar. A lot of countries um, are seeing that. You know, your your population is aging, and there's this fear about oh, they're going to take over our country, and it's like you know, come on.
0: I think the problem is is that we have that here in the UK, and we are suffering from that because the difficulty that we now have is is that a lot of people um, came and went quite freely. And as you said, we still have the aging population and obviously you Mm -hmm. need people with energy and different experiences. And, you know, if you come to the UK, you can find somebody somewhere who speaks your language. You know, I think it's in London alone. There are something like 183 different languages, something ridiculous like that. You know, it's Mm -hmm. an incredibly cosmopolitan place. And the fact is, is that there seems to be, as you said, a very protectionist movement of saying that, you know, we don't want strangers, and we don't want different people. And the difficulty is, is that society and humanity suffers for yes. the absence of different people. And I think, you know, it, it's like where you go, when you travel to the places that you travel to, if you have a respectful mindset, people will be respectful to you. And I think people make that. Absolutely. Mistake. It, sure. You know, For being sure. respectful is incredibly important. And the, the reality of the situation is I think it's a mistake that people often make when you go to a place to integrate with the local people or go to where the local people go so that they, they can get used to you and you can get used to them.
1: Mm-hmm. And I talk about that in uh, Claim Your Dream Life. Uh, I talk about there will be culture shock when you move overseas. Count on it, Right but it's the tolerance that breeds the trust and for sure the world needs more of it and in particular i talk about the dangerous myth of american exceptionalism mm. and i i talk, i cite this statistic in 1990 only 4% of americans even held a passport wow by 97 it was 15% by 2007 it was 27% and then there was a big jump after 911 by 2018, it was 42%. But when it's so far behind, it's 66% for can- Canadians and 76% of UK citizens oh, yes. have passports. Yeah. That That's huge. That means if, if you live in a bubble, how in the heck can you uh, know how you're viewed, how other cultures view you, right? If you never leave it, all you see is, is what's on TV. Is it real?
0: Yes, mm-hmm. most definitely. So when in your book, You talk a lot about, obviously, people making that decision to go. What Mm -hmm. I couldn't work out, what happens if your partner wants to go and you don't want to go? (laughs) I'm asking for a friend.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a great question. And I actually address that early on. I think that's in uh, chapter one or two. I can't remember. But I talk about something that uh, I learned as a new young lawyer from this uh, older lawyer I went to work for was one, actually one of my professors in law school. And it was something he called fundamental interests. And it's actually, uh, he he said it came from Kissinger. That's how he was able to broker the Middle East peace treaty was understanding what the party's fundamental interests were. And how, in, because I was a contract attorney, this was obviously related to contract negotiation, like you have to have compatible fundamental interests or the deal won't work. Correct. So, the example I use is my husband Tom is an avid sailor, grew up in Newport Beach, California, was living on his sailboat when I was, uh, met him racing. Um, and taking his boat out, you know, three, four, five times a week. And so our two first dates, which I really didn't know they were dates, I thought we were just going sailing. But he apparently, <laughs> which is not good because I like told him dating stories from hell that I would never tell um, in, on a real date. But anyway, we were friends first. It's a good thing. It was all right. But he took me sailing to find out if I got seasick. And if I got seasick, guess what? He's gonna kick me to the curb. Done. Game over.
0: <laughs> he, because... sounds like, he sounds like a man after my own heart. He does his research, right? First. I mean,
1: yeah, sailing is a fundamental interest. And so, for, lucky for me, I grew up in Minnesota. I grew up on the water. Um, no, not much sailing, but um, I, I'm actually saltier than he is. He'll get seasick before I will. Um, but that's usually because he's down below trying to fix something in the engine room, and <laughs> there's no air, and there's Anyway, but, uh, but no, and I talk about that, and, and I also talk about whether you can compromise. There's a, a couple that come down here. They're snowbirds from Minnesota, as a matter of fact, and um, Pat uh, hates the snow. His wife actually doesn't care for the tropics. Rita gets overheated, but she knows how miserable Pat is in the wintertime, and so she's willing to sacrifice a little bit of her comfort. come down to the tropics for three months so that Pat can get out of the snow so they make it work so the question is and in my case also I spent 28 years in the snow in a very cold climate in Minnesota then lived in Southern California for 20 years so when I met Tom I laid down my chip and I said listen let me tell you something I don't want snow I'm not going to snow. The closest I want to get to snow is see those mountains in the distance with snow on the peaks. That's it. That's as close as I'm getting. And he was a black diamond skier. And he said, like I said, he was, uh, I was 40 when I met him. He was 50. So his knees, uh, one knee was getting pretty bad. And he said, you know, I can, I can do without the skiing. And so he took golf and up golf and tennis, which is um, what I was doing. And, and we've made it work. So he, but I told him, I'm like, don't ask me to go up to the lodge and sit and wait for you. I'm not doing it. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to see it. I don't want, no, I don't want nothing to do with snow. And and so I laid that down. So being clear in the get go of what are your fundamental interests that are non-negotiable and making sure that they're compatible so if one person is dead set against it i mean actually that's how we ended up buying our sailboat the guy who bought it uh his his girlfriend didn't like sailing and he, it was too big for one person he needed to go you know it's perfect for a couple uh to handle it but it's pretty hard for one person it's a, it's a great big boat and so he sold the boat and and uh I, I thought okay well that's that's cool us she's the girlfriend. Um, in fact uh, that that boat has had been on um the flyer. Uh, we saw it at a boat show five years before we bought it, and the flyer hung on our refrigerator like a, a dream board piece. Oh wow! When we lost our our boat, yeah, pretty interesting story. Um, we lost Tom's boat in an electrical fire, um, back in two thousand three. And we were both busy with our businesses. So we knew we wanted to get another boat, but we're not really in the market. And then in 2006, she started calling me. And this gentleman who bought it, I, I remember talking about it. And he said, uh, Yeah, my girlfriend doesn't like to sail. So I'm going to sell his boat. And there was a part of me, I almost jumped in and said, Well, you should find a new girlfriend. But then he would <laughs> have sold the boat. So instead, I said, you know, a good woman's hard to find. Yeah, you probably need to sell that boat. So, um...
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it must have it must have been um, some sort of deep love that he sold his boat in order to keep his romance alive. And I hope it worked. Yeah,
1: yeah. So well, he ended up getting a smaller one that he could take out by himself. So um uh, didn't, didn't need to have crew oh, well, uh, So take it out. So yeah, it, worked out. it God, worked out. Good, 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 good. <laughs>
0: Excellent. <laughs> now we're going to move on to the section that we call what are you like which you're supposed to say in them okay. um, uh, in a cockney accent but I'm going to try and do my best BBC announcer voice. So we've discussed okay. <laughs> so some of the books uh, we've discussed your book but also mm-hmm. you mentioned some of the books in your pre-show questionnaire. Um, the first Mm -hmm. one you mentioned, which is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which we've all discussed. And obviously that was a Mm -hmm. fundamental cornerstone of you deciding to change your life. Mm -hmm. What was interesting for me is that you also mentioned a book called Creature from Jekyll Island, which I'd never heard before. And Mm. what's the significance of that book to you?
1: That's another one. I met, I read that uh, quite a few years later. That was also uh, the books that I listed on the question were life changing books to me. And that's what um, we won. Those that's... were the yes, yes. So um, the Creature from Jekyll Island is about the creation of the Federal Reserve, the U.S. Federal Reserve, which is the central bank. Right. And it um, is actually a chronicle. It's four hundred years of monetary and fiscal history. It goes back to the Weimar Republic with, you know, needing wheelbarrows full of money to buy a loaf of bread, mm-hmm. the basement of currency, um, the, the old um, moneyed interests, the Warburgs, the Rothschilds, um, you know, the Morgans. And really uh, it's, it's, he, uh, G. Edward Griffin was actually a recorder. So it is, probably one of the best uh, documented books. I would say about a quarter of the book is is citations to the research that he did on this. Um, But it was really profound and it's really changed my view. Uh, it, It would be comical if it wasn't so sad. There's a huge fight in the United States right now between red versus blue and conservative versus liberal and yada, yada, yada. Meanwhile, Rome burns because the central bank is creating currency, like not money. Money is a store of value, currency which debases every single dollar or pound. If your your government's doing it, whatever it is, because yeah, they're so, all doing a lot. Of-
0: yeah, we're all doing it.
1: <laughs> it's that's why. But it really goes through the cycles, and it also talks about the moneyed interests being basically apolitical and um, non-nationalistic. They are They worship money. And they have money. They they fund the wars, the industrial uh, military complex. it will change your outlook, I believe, if you. It's it's actually a very good read for a book on on economics. Basically, it it reads like a crime novel. it's, <laughs> really, it's, it's a page turner. It's very thick. It's probably about three inch thick book. It's it's but it's it really changed my perspective in a profound way when it comes to uh, money power. Um, politics and um, and so that I I highly recommend it I think you'd enjoy
0: it you've also got a thank you for that one that you've also got a a very deep book called Sacred
1: Contracts (laughs) yes are you familiar with Carolyn May
0: I always try and research these before I come onto the show and what I managed to dig up was it this is a synthesis of psychology healing guidance and spiritual insight yes
1: Absolutely. And that one I read, oh golly, it's been probably, I think that one was pre Tom. So uh, I met him in 2000. So I think it was like the late uh, 1990s or mm-hmm. so I read that. And um, it's, it's fascinating. And actually, I really, if you like audio books, the audio book is actually kind of completely different than the, the book itself. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's, it's uh it's really it's rather, I have a woo woo side to me, Clayton, um, for especially for an attorney. But uh I I um it, it's really about uh what happens on the other side. Basically that we make deals before we get here. We make contracts. Sacred contracts spiritual contracts. Um and uh she she talks about reincarnation. I believe in reincarnation. I, I've done past life regression work, I know I've been here before. Right, and okay. Tom says the same thing. He'll be out in in rough seas, in, in, you know, pitch black. And he said, "I know I've been here before. I, I've been a sea captain in a prior life. Right. I have no fear out on the ocean." And so uh, it, it's a very interesting read. But it also, I think, it, in at the time that I read it, it really uh, helped me take responsibility for um, the end of my marriage because it was like, well, I I made this deal with my ex on the other side, that this was all the time we were going to be together. And then we're going to part, part, part ways and and go in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And so it, 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 it really, what it did for me is it really removed playing the blame game. Like, you know, and there's you know, there's a big philosophical conversation about you know free will and and fate and all of that that you can get into, but it's very thought provoking, and um, I I really enjoy Carolyn May. She's uh, she's quite a uh, a thoughtful um, spiritual leader. Excellent. The Cash Flow Show coming to you from the city of London. Real people, real business, real talk.
0: Well, that was very, very deep, so now we're going to move <laughs> on to your business I, mean, well, I suppose yeah no they're, they're kind of business, but they're a bit more a bit more in depth because you've got two selections here one the mm-hmm. first one is good to great mm-hmm. with why some companies make the leap and others don't mm-hmm. and you've also got um, yeah carry on. Go ahead. And start with why. I was going to bundle them up together. How great leaders sure. inspire everyone to take action. And just wanted to know your feelings about those two and, and the relevance that they have for you.
1: Well, um, good to great. I, I was... I. I as you can tell, I'm, I'm kind of a business junkie. I mean, you know, I, I kind of don't read novels anymore. I think um, doing law school in two and a half years sort of ruined me for, for any sort of flowery language or, or things like that. So I like, I like really meaty books. Um, but uh, The Good to Great, I really enjoyed that because it was such a side-by-side comparison of two companies in the same industry. One fails and one succeeds. And what's the difference? What was the difference? And what I love, I, I mean, bottom line it, it really comes down to servant leadership in my opinion is, is what Jim Collins um, says. And I am a big believer in servant leadership and um, the, the, the style of um, how you get people to accomplish big goals and, and make uh, profound um, differences in, in business. Um, and, and, and also in life, right? I mean, we work in so much a part of what we do, so it really spills over into all aspects of life. And then start with why, um, that I think is really at the crux of, of the most successful companies on the planet. And, and one of the examples Simon uses, of course, is Apple, right? Apple didn't just sell computers right? It was the lifestyle. It was, it was what, it was the, the result. And why did they do it? It was, it was really um, for the creatives and, and really what you stand for. And that's what people want to know about. They don't want to know what you do. They want to know why you do it. Yes. Yeah. And it, it doesn't matter what you do. You know, it's, it, and it really, and I even talked about that. Like uh, we were talking about the, um, about the economics. You, you had mentioned the girl who, who likes uh, the girl who likes some all the designer clothes and whatnot. Well, um, you know, if you think about economic satisfaction uh, in America, at least, we're never supposed to be satisfied. We're supposed to be always, you know, wanting the bigger house, the bigger car, keeping up with the Joneses, consume, 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 right? And so um, having that that um, economic satisfaction and saying, I have enough. Like, when is enough? When is it enough? Exactly. Um, and then I teach, you focus on cash flow, monthly cash flow, not how big is your pile of money, and will it last until I die? That's not to me. That's a silly exercise. How, what is your lifestyle? How much do you need to make each month to support the lifestyle that you want? And then you 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 want a better lifestyle? Well, you add more cash flow, right? <laughs> and so it's multiple. It's you know it seems pretty straightforward, but that's not what the financial planners teach you. So, but at the end of the day, these people who are chasing this big pile of podcast I just uh, uploaded was on the fire movement if you're familiar with that it, it was very popular in the united states books were written on it but it was um financial independence retire early and it was this extreme frugality and this extreme savings and you're supposed to collect this great big pile of money the spend account, that somehow was supposed to last you for another 50 or 60 years um you know uh given zero interest rate, 0% interest rate. Now they're going up, but then so is inflation. So how is that all going to play out? It didn't make any sense to me. So I I contrasted the FIRE movement um, or this idea that uh, financial planners keep selling us that, oh, you're never going to be able to retire because you don't have 25 times your annual income in a bank account somewhere or in in your investment. And so when I talk about economic satisfaction, it's like, what is your why? Yeah.
0: And I right? think, Yeah but people are afraid to ask themselves those questions. They're afraid to confront what it is that they really want because that's what you're saying when you're saying is why what is your purpose yeah. what's your raison d'être yeah. you know what what do mm-hmm. you, what do you believe in and what is it that really makes yeah. you happy most people just want to be able to have the things that they want when they they don't necessarily want a massive pile of money they just want to live in the way that they want to live and take control of their own destiny.
1: Well, then you know what happens on your deathbed? You think, what if? Yeah. And that's not the world I want. No. So that's, that's the reality of it is, is, is you know, you, the graveyards are full of unfulfilled dreams.
0: Very much. Right.
1: So. Yeah. So we have an expiration date. Like we are not going to be here forever. Correct. So, you know, we, At what point are you going to ask these hard questions? Never? Okay. Then you're just marking time until you die. It's too easy to get into the distractions, to binge watch Netflix or, you know, just waste time on social media or what have you. And I was very blessed to to learn early on in my network marketing career, the power of being proactive, right? You plan tomorrow before tomorrow comes. You plan next month before next month comes. You plan next year before next year comes. Mm. And uh, the analogy I like to use is, you know, when we were in Southern California, we often sail to Catalina. Well, how do you get to Catalina? You go, out, you take the boat on the ocean, you set a course, you put in the destination, you plot the destination, and you, you know, could set it on autopilot if you, you steer it if you want. If you don't set a course, you're not going to go to Catalina. <laughs> you might end up on the rock. You might end up in Hawaii. I, you could end up in Mexico. I mean, there's lots of places you could go, but you're not going to get there if you don't set a course.
0: <laughs> very, very, very true.
1: <laughs> if you're not intentional about it, then you're really just a boat bobbing around on the ocean. And, and I shared uh, you know, the, the quote from uh, Alice in Wonderland, where she, she's at the floor says, I don't know. And then he said, well, then it doesn't matter.
0: Maybe they don't want to take their own destiny in their own hands.
1: Yes. Well, and we're conditioned to do that, though, at least in the U.S., um, workers that show up on time, punch a time clock, uh, obey orders and uh, do what they're told. And so, of course, but, but you know, it hasn't, you know, a child, a young child uh, goes starts to go to school and they're daydreaming and, and they're a ballerina or what have you and then daydreaming. You have to do, you know, and then, you know, you, you raise your hand to answer a question and, and you know, oh, no, that's. You're conditioned to, oh my gosh, I I can't give the wrong answer. I can't make a mistake. Um, I'm going to be, you know, ostracized or or looked down upon. Um, So I think there's a lot of conditioning that uh, the book is all as well is that, you know, until age 12, our brain isn't even developed enough to even really comprehend words and language. We are simply reading energy and emotion. And that is being recorded like a video recorder into our subconscious. And it is ruling how we react, how we act as adults. And we're not even aware of it.
0: Yes, very true, very true. So what I wanted to do was basically ask you about your own podcast, because you mentioned briefly your Overseas Life Redesign podcast. How did that come about? How Mm -hmm. did you get into podcasting?
1: Well, when I was thinking about next adventure of mine after network marketing, I, uh, as I said, I was kind of marching down a, a particular path and it became apparent to me that, that it really wasn't where I wanted to go. And so actually I uh, had come across a company that has a online platform for creating businesses and they did a, a 30 day challenge thing to be able to, and that's how I, I created my real estate program actually was, was during that challenge because we're supposed to create a project and then the the gentleman, he was a former Marine who uh, was was the coach of the class, and he said, "Publish! You must publish something. Either write a blog or or start a podcast." And I did the research, and there were fewer podcasts than there were blogs. And uh, I thought, well, I could write, but you know, I am an attorney after all. I'm not sure that's the best thing to do. So I thought, well, I'm going to start a podcast. And like I said, I had been meeting all of these amazing people with incredible stories. So I just said, well, I'm just going to start this podcast and I'm just going to interview people, ask them questions. And that's, that's really how it started was uh, like publish, publish, you'll find your voice. And uh, so, you know, it, it, I sat down, Tom and I, the very first one, and we just had a conversation with each other and it's called uh, setting sail on a sea of change. Okay. And we just talked about our lives together and how, why we left California and, and, you know, sailing our sailing journey and getting to Florida and, you know, basically how, how, we, uh, we actually recorded on the sailboat shortly after, well, 2019, so I guess we've been here for two years. Um, we are still living on the boat when we did that one. But uh, just started with our story, and then uh, the second episode, I, I just um, talked about, you know, it's okay to be happy. You don't have to try to please everybody else. Like, you can reinvent yourself. You can change. And it can be hard. I happen to love change. Thankfully, that's so many of my, and I've gotten really good at it. Some people are very, very, they don't like change. But yes. I guess I guess what? Um, aside from death and taxes, that's the only thing you can count on.
0: Yeah, very change true. In this world. Very true.
1: So <laughs> you, you might as well embrace it and, you know, develop the skills to be able to shift and pivot. And, you know, after COVID, of course, we, we really understand how important that is. The world has changed in profound ways. And will likely not go back. So, uh, so those are the first two episodes. And then, like I said, I just um, I started out um, just interviewing two folks. And then I took a a, a big uh, step up. In fact, it's called stepping up and stepping out. The first uh, podcast of this year, because I had been doing. I have a, a private group on social media, and I had been doing weekly live shows in there and talking about different uh, topics, um, you know, related. Uh, tangentially to moving overseas, sometimes it was, you know, health or wealth or, or purpose and meaning, culture, a lot of different different things going on. But I decided, you know, I really need to uh, step up now that I'm a published author and I'm going to be out there speaking. I need to really use my voice. And so I, I made the decision to take my weekly live show and combine it with my podcast. So that now, and then I also launched a newsletter. So now I've got that consistent messaging through the week. So in my, uh, in my group, I, I do it on video and then I strip out the audio and, you know, add the uh, intro, outro and, uh, Published that as a podcast now, and so I'm still doing interviews, but you know, usually like you know, maybe once or twice a month. And then uh, I'm really sharing a lot of, of my uh, views and wisdom that I've um, learned over the years in, in doing this, or or like I say, pivoting or losing everything, whatever whatever it is. I'm just uh, kind of sharing my uh, philosophies and and tips on on navigating midlife.
0: Excellent. So Dawn, we're coming to the end of our time here on the Cashflow Show. And I wanted to find out what was happening for you in the future. You've talked about the podcast, the combination of the newsletter and the appearances that you're making. Mm -hmm. How do you see yourself going forward in the next 12 months?
1: Well, thank you for asking me that. So I am now uh, working with a, a speaking coach. Uh, she's helping me develop my signature talk. We're looking at what stages. But that was actually one thing I really enjoyed about my network marketing career was being in front of the room on a stage, inspiring people. I just really enjoyed doing that and and so I wanted to get back to doing that again I actually had the opportunity to speak at a, a friend's event uh end of March in Florida it's a small group it was about 20 people but uh, as the first time I've been in front of a live audience in about four years uh, obviously pre-COVID uh and then you know ways before that so it was it was really fun I really enjoyed it um got you know wonderful feedback seeing you know I I, I like helping shape People's perspectives—you know, giving them a different uh, way of looking at things. Excellent. At, at developing that, uh, and then also, I have a—I uh, purchased the, da- the domain name uh, opats.com, and that stands for overseas paths as a, a, an alternative to
0: expats. Okay, cool. That's excellent. That's a good. That's a good thing because I was going to ask you that question because. I always am amused at the idea of expats who don't necessarily want to call themselves immigrants. I do find that quite amusing. Um, so, yes, I think OPATs or overseas Pats, yeah, sounds yeah sounds better, more modern.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there is a, a video on that homepage right now, I, I recorded, on why expats is versus immigrants, that, that whole dynamic between those two terms. And who wants to be an ex-anything, right? <laughs> so <laughs> you, you leave your home country, it doesn't mean you check your nationality at the door. Like, I'm American, you're, you're British. Like, we're just overseas patriots,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, That that's actually quite a good way of doing it. I, I like that, I like that. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes great sense. So you obviously got a lot of things lined up. Um, for the coming 12 months so where can people find you let's run for a list of where people can a first get this book how do they go about doing that
1: um i have a, a claim your set up and there are links to the major re- retailers um from, from there i'm not sure uh, about the uk um it was like i said mostly set up for north america but uh it's it's in um you can order them online uh, i know there's folks in the uk who have it because i just did a podcast this week with a couple who had his and underline and so forth and he likes his pristine so she read it and he wanted to read it and he, she said no you're not going to like this copy get your own i love that so they, so they got it from somewhere in the uk um so i know it's, a, it's available um, but I also have, uh, johnfleming.com, uh, is my web, 1M in Fleming. That is, um, has all the information about me. There's links to the podcast on that website as well. And then, um, I will be building out the opets.com website more. There's links to the podcast there as well, to the book. Um, and then as, uh, these other resources come online, there will be more, uh, going forward.
0: Dawn Fleming, it has been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. I really learned a lot in terms of basically how you've managed to, you know, from the embers of 2008, both you and your partner have managed to turn things around to start living the lifestyle that you want in the way that you want. And it's opened my eyes, obviously, looking at the stuff that you've got online and speaking with you today. And I hope that, Other business people who are not always spending their time trading time for money will then look at and find themselves that there is maybe not a a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow or maybe maybe not a unicorn, but at least there's a bar in Costa Rica where they can go and have a drink.
1: And I've gotten feedback from a lot of folks that have, have, you know, done reviews that really have no intention to move overseas, but it certainly helps with any type of life planning as far as what you want in your future. So you don't necessarily have to be wanting to move overseas to get a lot of value out of the book either. So thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it.
0: Being here. You're most welcome. So we're just going to say goodbye here. Um, thank you ever so much, Dawn. We really appreciate it.
1: All right. I'll I'll let you know if we uh, make it to the UK.
0: We've come to the end of the cash flow show for today, but I would like to say thank you to our guests for taking the time to share their knowledge, wisdom, and insight. If you loved what you've heard on this week's episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts and leave a five-star review and feedback as it really does help. Whilst you're there, listen to some of our other episodes, which you are bound to enjoy. We want to make this the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs wherever they are in the world and spreading the word really is the best way to grow our show and our community to achieve greater things. Be sure to join us next time for Real People, Real Business, Real Talk. Talk.